This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your new hosts, Robin Shawokas from the Leather Elves and Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. Today, we're going to try to help you get to know us a little bit better and talk about some of the basics of enrichment and training. We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other. Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. My name's Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. And as Robin mentioned, we'd like to explain a little bit more about our background since we're new to you all out there. So let's get started with Robin. Robin, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got into working with parrots and enrichment. Well, it started off as a family business. My parents were creating um, toys for parrots, and I picked it up to work with them a little bit, and it took on a life of its own. I started working with facilities that had collections of parrots, and then we uh, started working with other animals, realized there was a need for enrichment devices and things and ways to enrich other animals. And as far as the parrots are concerned, we've really learned an awful lot over the the years that we've been doing it. We've been doing it for about 12 years now. 
and we've learned different ways um, to provide that enrichment for them. And now you also focus on on giving presentations on how to enrich animals in zoos and also for companion parrot owners. So you've presented all over the world, right? Right. I've done workshops in Holland and all over the United States at different zoos and for pet clubs and pet you know owners and for pet stores. And it's really interesting. The feedback is is the same in most places. The challenges that are that people are facing and the ideas that they're having, it's just a matter of sharing those ideas through things like workshops. So, what about you, Barbara? How did you get into uh, the training field? Uh, well, like a lot of people out there, I was always into animals and thought I'd want to have a career with animals. And at first, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. I tried a little bit of that type of work when I was in high school, but didn't find it to be the right fit for me. I then worked in pet stores and went to college to study zoology at UC Davis, which then led to uh, working on behavior research projects in college. And even though they were interesting for me, I still didn't like having so much distance between me and the animal. I kind of figured out that what I really like is, is a relationship with an animal, and I thought, well, maybe I could have that experience at a zoo. So I started working in zoos. Back in 1990, I started at Marine World Africa USA in California and um, got my feet wet with training there and just fell in love with it and stuck with bird shows starting out at Marine World and then went on to Brookfield Zoo and then Disney's Discovery Island, which was their zoo before the Animal Kingdom. And when the Animal Kingdom was getting ready to do a bird show, I went to work for a company that was contracted to do the shows there. And that's actually where I met Robin. And Robin uh, showed up at Disney with a trunk full of toys. (laughs) the toys to show Barbara and and I you know tried to get an appointment they said oh we can get you somebody to talk to and it was Barbara yep it was me and I wasn't very nice to her at first but we we got past that I thought she was just trying to sell me something but in fact she was trying to sell me something really important and really good so uh, it all turned out for the best in the long run but it while working um out there in Florida, I started to long uh, to, to live in another city, one of my favorite cities in the world, which is Austin, Texas, where I live now. So I started consulting, I guess it was uh, six years ago now, I, I started consulting with zoos on my own on animal training. And, um, and that also worked into the companion parrot community, mainly because after shows, people would ask me questions about their parrots, and a lot of them, the questions were about behavior problems, and that led to me writing a book called Good Bird to help those people with those behavior problems, and things kind of snowballed from there. That led to another book called The Parrot Problem Solver, and then I started publishing a magazine called Good Bird Magazine focused on behavior and training, and now I've got some DVDs out there on training, and I, and like Robin, um, do a lot of presenting around the world on parrot training and also training with zoos, so... Um, that's a little bit about me, maybe more than you wanted to know. <laughs> Barbara, do you find that the same kind of questions come up globally? Oh, absolutely. And same kinds of problems all over the place, and and which in some ways is good because it means that we can really provide help for those folks that are looking for answers to their, their behavior and training problems and also their enrichment problems. And And actually, a lot of those things go hand in hand because a lot of behavior problems can be addressed through enrichment, which will probably be a show topic down the road. (laughs) That might be something we can talk about. So absolutely. So speaking of enrichment, maybe maybe you want to give some uh, information about it. Since this is our first our first program, we thought we'd talk about some of the things that are are near and dear to our hearts, which is enrichment and training. And of course, uh, subsequent shows, we can get to a lot more detail about specific topics. So today, maybe we'll give you a little introduction. So maybe, Robin, you can talk a bit about enrichment and some kind of a basic overview of things people may want to keep in mind. Sure. These are really just the basics, because as Barbara had said, 
this is the first show and we can take them topic by topic and, and get much more specific as time goes on. But the first thing I need to say about enrichment is that safety is key. You know your birds better than anyone else and you know what's safe for them and what's not. There are lists and lists and, and so many resources out there that allow, you know, that suggest what's safe, what's not safe, use this, don't ever use that. Um, and I think you need to take it all in and use what works for your specific situation. Um, you know, there may be that cockatiel that thinks he's a hyacinth, you know, um, or vice versa, depending on, you know, it's not always that the big bird can handle the big piece of wood or the, the big chain. There may be a situation with your specific bird that makes safety a, a little bit different for, you know, another from somebody else's pets. Um, one of the things that I try to teach people in my workshop is that enrichment isn't just about the big wooden toy. Yes, I make them, and so they're a wonderful thing, but there's so much more to enrichment that you can do. Um, it's really, when you look at the word enrichment, it's about making something better. Um, that's what enrichment means. It's not just the device. It's not just buying that wooden toy and putting it in there. Um, it's changing things. It's, it's offering different opportunities. Um, and the key to offering those opportunities is knowing about your bird, knowing what their natural history is. Where do they come from? Why do they exhibit some of the behaviors that they exhibit? Barbara, you may run into situations where people are saying they have a problem, you know, or there's, there's a specific behavior that they don't understand why it's happening. And I find that works, you know, for me in creating that enrichment. You know, you look at the behaviors that they're exhibiting in the wild and see how you can take that and, and make it part of their lives through what you're offering them. So do you have a good resource for learning about natural history of parrots? There is, and, and that's one of the things we want to talk about, too, is some different resources for people. But um, Parrots of the World by Joseph Forshaw is a great book. It go takes you through all the species of parrots, gives you a brief um, explanation of where they're from, and then what their habits are, You know, whether it be flight, whether it be their foraging habits. And it's all right there at your fingertips, and it's, it's very easy to understand. Um, so that's a great way for people to get started providing enrichment, looking at what their birds do in the wild and how can you capitalize on those behaviors. Well, I think one thing that's interesting about that is I think there's something like over 350 species of parrots, and I think people sometimes think a parrot is a parrot is a parrot. But what you really find from books like Parrots of the World is that behaviorally the way that they acquire food is is totally different for oh, so many species. It's I mean foraging behavior is is the hot topic right now. Everything's foraging. Everything's a foraging device. Um, we're trying to elicit that foraging behavior from our parrots at home. And when you look at um, you know something like a parrots of the world, you'll find that there are birds that that only forage on the ground. There are some that only stay in the upper canopy levels, depending on what you're talking about, which types of birds you're talking about. And that's so important when you're offering foraging opportunities. Um, the, you know, I've had people say to me in workshops, my cockatiel's always on the, the ground or on the bottom of the cage. I just, I don't know why that happens. I put all these perches in and they're always on the bottom. Well, they're ground foragers in nature. And so by offering you know some foraging opportunities for those birds on the ground you're eliciting that natural behavior with your enrichment so foraging and and knowing you know why the flight patterns of different birds um, you know if you've got a bird that travels long distances and they they're exhibiting that in your bird room if they're flighted at all um, that's why you know there, there are some birds that stay very close to home 
There are birds that stay in nest cavities, even when they're not breeding. Um, Conyers are a perfect example of that. They tend to excavate cliffs. They'll excavate cliffs and stay there, even when it's not nesting time. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people have those little... um they're like little furry tents that a lot of conures you see use those quite a bit. They don't do they? like those. Um, the only thing you need to be careful with is that they don't turn into nests and become frustrating. Or maybe um, show some aggressive behavior related to a nest site right. if they view it as a nest. Well, and so that, I mean, that, it, that's a perfect example of how enrichment and behavior go hand in hand. You may be offering something as an enrichment opportunity, and it may elicit a behavior such as aggression. So you need to be careful of that. Training itself is a form of enrichment, too. It is. <laughs> I agree. Actually, though, you know, we're just about at a point where we might want to take a little break because we need to hear from some of our sponsors. So let's take a little break, and we'll come right back with some more information on training. Ah! Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged fake great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Okay, welcome back to Wings and Things with your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich and Robin Shawokis on Pet Life Radio. We left off uh, talking a little bit about training, and um, as you all have already heard, that's my area of uh, expertise, and so I, I'd love to share a little bit more about training for you, a little introduction to training with positive reinforcement. So uh, for me, basically training is a method of teaching. It's just a way to give animals information about uh, what you want them to do. And I like to focus on positive reinforcement training. And some of you that are good students of training already know that it comes from a science called behavior analysis. And it's really just a science about how organisms learn from humans to birds to dogs and cats and all those animals in the zoos that Robin and I work with. Um, so the methods work with, with all sorts of organisms. And um, But my favorite, of course, is positive reinforcement training. And that's because positive reinforcement allows you to have this really fantastic relationship with your pet and I think for both Robin and I that's kind of what this is all about we both come to this world of animals because we just we love animals <laughs> and I, I've always wanted to see people treat animals with as much kindness as possible and I think positive reinforcement training allows us to do that it really can get you away from focusing on strategies to punish behavior that you don't like. Instead, you focus on behaviors that you really want to see happen instead, and you positively reinforce the heck out of those so your animal is more likely to show those behaviors. So maybe a good example is um, a lot of times people are having difficulty training their parrot to step up on their hand. And some old recommendations were to force your bird to obey the step-up command. Now, for me, even the word command 
carries a bad connotation because it sort of implies you're going to use force because that animal's got to do it. So I prefer to use the word cue um, because to me that's more of a request. And if I ask the animal to present the behavior and it does, wow, lots of good things are going to happen. If he doesn't want to present the behavior, I'm not going to force him. Um, I'm actually going to start thinking about how can I make this fun for this animal so it wants to present the behavior I ask. So with positive reinforcement, you really have the opportunity to create behavior um, voluntarily and the consequence of the animal doing the behavior is good stuff and so that makes them really look forward to interacting with you and it's it really encompasses all that stuff I was looking for when I was trying to find a career in working with animals it it allows you to just have this really close intimate wonderful relationship with an animal uh, based on good stuff I, I think Barbara too that it allows you to stay away from that the the negativity that you we sometimes see with pet animals that we think the cowering or which you mm. know comes from punishment yeah you're you're completely avoiding that with that positive reinforcement you're keeping everything just what as it's called positive that's the way it stays there yeah. isn't that negative reaction that you need to then get around in order to to work on other behaviors with that animal yeah, I, I think I am. Um, I don't know if I wrote it on the internet in, a, in my Yahoo group, but I did say something to some people about challenging yourself to see if you can interact with your animal without ever saying no. You know, instead of, you know, yelling at your dog when he does something he doesn't like or telling him no, stop. Is there something else that you could focus on? Like, I have a puppy, Waylon, who's nine months old, and I love him to death, and he, but he's still a puppy, and he, and he does puppy-like things. But one of the problems I was having is he kept putting his, uh, his paws up on the counter when he got tall enough to do that mm -hmm. in the kitchen. And so rather than push him off or yell at him or tell him no, what I really focused on was reinforcing him for putting his little butt on a pillow in the kitchen. And I reinforced it so much that what happens whenever I walk in the kitchen and I'm standing by the counter is he will eat, immediately scoot his little butt up and stick it on the pillow. <laughs> and I give him a treat for it or I give him a little head scratch or I offer him one of his favorite toys. I mix it up all the time so he never knows what he's going to get. But the cool thing was is that I never had to yell at my dog or punish my dog for getting up on the counter. Instead, I focused on teaching him the right behavior to do that would earn him lots of good stuff. And so it's just not, um, not a, jumping up on the counter just doesn't have value to him right now sitting on a pillow has a lot of value. So I love the idea of getting away from punishment as much as we possibly can um, and focusing on the good stuff, which really leads us to behavior problems because that's one of the beautiful things about positive reinforcement training is it, it's a tool for us to address behavior problems. So all those things that people are dealing with, like screaming parrots, parrots screaming for attention or aggressive behavior. A lot of times people complain about, you know, I asked my bird to step up and he tries to bite. Oh, we've got parrots that like only one person in the house. That's another common problem, which every single one of those could be a whole show topic in themselves, and they probably will be at some <laughs> point, so we're going to hang on to those. But that's one of the great values of positive reinforcement training is this um, uh, wonderful behavior problem-solving solutions that, that it offers. Of course, uh, we can also use positive reinforcement training to just teach our birds to be um, good companions, like you know, stepping up when we ask or going back into the cage. I had somebody um, give me a call the other day complaining that their bird would never leave them. It was a flighted bird, and it loved being on that person. 
And so one of her challenges was, you know, how do I get the bird to stop flying to me? And I guess on the one hand, it's a good sign that her bird really likes her a lot. She's done some good stuff with him. But it also means she may want to focus on training some basic behaviors like going back into the cage or sitting on another station or, or play stand has value to the bird. And that can be done with positive reinforcement training, too. So, And I think, too, it helps you to think in that mindset of I'm not just trying to eradicate a behavior, I'm trying to replace it with something positive, whether it be an interaction, whether it be a reinforcer, which again is a whole nother show topic as Mm -hmm. to reinforcers and what you can use as reinforcement. But it does take that and makes it into a positive, puts a positive spin on things. You know, I I used to do behavior modification with people um, before I worked with animals. And um, one of the things we always said was you have to give create a behavior to replace a behavior. You can't just take a behavior away and leave nothing in its place. So you've taken positive reinforcement, and you're reinforcing the very positive aspect of things rather than just trying to get them to stop doing something. Yeah. You're asking for them to do something positive in, in replacement in place of that. Yeah, it's it's really focusing on what on what to do instead of what not to do. Right. So it, I love that part about positive reinforcement training. You know, another new area that's really just been sort of blossoming in recent years, uh, especially with parrots, is a lot of times now people are focusing on training behaviors that we used to think um, only, you know, were for the vet staff or Mm -hmm. the vet technician. But nowadays, a lot of people have learned that with positive reinforcement, they can train their bird to allow them to trim their nails without restraint. They can even train birds to let them hold their wings out for for trimming flight feathers, again, without restraint, if, if that's a choice that you have for your bird. And if there is going to be restraint involved, we can use positive reinforcement to train a parrot to be really super comfortable in a towel. It doesn't, ha- I mean, in fact, I've got some great video examples of birds that just run into towels because they can't wait to get in there because it's the happiest place on earth instead of the scariest place on earth. And that's all done with positive reinforcement. So, um, and those of you out there have had a chance to attend my seminars have seen, seen some of the stuff the really cool stuff out there where some uh, zoos are doing things like uh, West Nile vaccinations without restraint while the bird's just sitting there on the perch or or blood draws without restraint. They, the bird's trained to lay on its back and stay in that position while somebody does a blood draw without holding the beak or anything. It's really, really pretty amazing stuff. And I love sharing that stuff because I think it's really inspirational to see where we can go. I mean, not that we want everyone doing blood draws on their parrots, but certainly they can do a nail trim. <laughs> and it is something you can work up to. You know, you start with, with the basics, and that's kind of what we're talking about today, and then you move on from there. And hopefully at some point, you know, if you want to, and if your bird responds, you know, in a positive manner, then you do move on to those things. But it definitely makes life a lot less stressful for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the success stories. You know, that's one of my favorite things is when people tell us, you know, they started with maybe a bird that was so aggressive they weren't even touching it anymore, and now they can do nail trims and, you know, roll him in a towel and he 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 thinks it's fun or he's doing all sorts of fun behaviors on cue and just become a great companion again Mm -hmm. all through training. And I think some of the training, the basic training that you're doing or some of these fun ideas can translate into useful ideas. You know, it may be right now it's getting him to play with a box or, you know, doing something that's new and how do you get him to come near something that's new and then, okay, that box may someday turn into a crate if you need to take that, that animal to the vet, you know, for an emergency visit and he needs to go right in the crate right away. Well, now he's used to going into a box. 
So it may be able to translate that behavior into going into a crate. Um, so a lot of the fun stuff that you're doing that you can do as play almost in a training session then becomes useful as far as basic husbandry stuff is concerned. Yep, yep. And a lot of times people talk about stupid pet tricks, and in fact, they're not stupid at all. Those little behaviors that seem kind of cutesy, like a wave or a turnaround, you know, they help build trust. But even that wave can be modified into, okay, let me touch your foot, let me touch your toe. Now we're going to introduce some nail clippers or a nail file and gently touch your feet. So those behaviors all have value. You know, sometimes think people say, oh, I don't want to train my bird to do tricks, but it's much more than that. It's not just... It's not just about tricks. It's about building a relationship with your bird through this positive reinforcement approach. So it's pretty cool stuff. I guess uh, we'll probably do more of this in future shows, but a little bit more about training is it really is kind of systematic. It's sort of a structured way to communicate to your animal. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's a way to communicate. And usually the way that we do it as professional trainers is we pick a cue, a sound or signal that's going to tell the animal what to do. We also have a marker or sometimes called a bridge. Some people like to use the word good or some people like to use a clicker. What people that use a clicker tend to call this clicker training. And clicker training really is just positive reinforcement training. But you use the click sound as your marker. And that marker lets the animal know he did a good job. And here comes some of your favorite reinforcers and those reinforcers are really what teach your animal that there's value in presenting that behavior and and I think it might be a good topic for a show down the road we'll talk about how you create behavior or how you capture it so that you can get that stuff on cue and I'll give you a quick little example here with a with a wave behavior a lot of people um, already have a parrot that knows how to step up on their hand voluntarily and if you have a bird that knows how to do that all you have to do is present your normal cue for step up maybe it's it's your hand you know, three inches away from your bird. And the moment that your bird puts his foot up in the air, that's the moment you present your marker. So maybe you say the word good, and then you follow that with a treat. Your goal is to make all that happen before the bird puts his little foot on your hand. And what you're doing in that moment is you're actually catching him in the act with his little foot up in the air there. And you can reinforce that. And pretty soon, um, after a few repetitions, you'll be able to move your hand a little farther back and your bird will start to figure out he just needs to lift his foot. He doesn't actually need to get on your hand. And that's a great time to start inserting some sort of cue for that behavior of lifting its foot. Maybe it's the word wave, or maybe you wave your hand at him, something like that. And then over time, if you want to make that wave a little more fancy, all you have to do is just wait a couple seconds before you offer your bridge, your word good, and your reinforcer. And usually what will happen is the bird will start moving his foot just the tiniest little bit, not sure what he needs to do to get that reinforcer. So maybe he moves a little just to try and figure it out. And when that happens, that's a great time to bridge him. And what trainers like to use is a jackpot, offer him a little bit extra treats or maybe his favorite treats um, to tell him that, ah, yeah, that's what we want. We want a little more movement. And over time, you can add more and more to that. So it's pretty cool. It's a fun way to get fun behaviors on on a cue. You can reduce stress. You can solve behavior problems and, and have a great relationship with your parrot. So um, we're pretty excited about We really are. And I think through the use of both training and enrichment, you can create a better life for your pet bird and a more enjoyable relationship for you and your pets. Um, it doesn't have to all be about, you know, the big fabulous training session or the big bang enrichment, you know. Sometimes those little steps and the little things that we can do make that, you know, that life so much better. So that's really the goal of why we're talking to you and, you know, the things that we'd like to bring you in the future. So. Yeah, and hopefully um, listeners out there are going to have some ideas, too, of things that they would really like us to discuss or explore. And, um, and while we do 
definitely have a special interest in training and enrichment. We're certainly uh, looking to explore some other topics and, and whether it's about breeding or... I think just by the fact that Barbara and I have spoken, you know, in so many places around the country and around the world, we do know people with expertise in different areas and hopefully we can bring some of them to you as guests and if we can't, if you have questions that we can't answer, we can go to those experts that we know and try to find the answers for you, do a little bit of research on your behalf. Yeah, you know, I, I will say that whole... Uh, traveling around the world and speaking to people has really been quite an education for both of us and and uh, I think we've both been really lucky with that um, opportunity to, to meet lots of people and learn from them and um, speaking of traveling around the world actually both of us do have events on the calendar all the time and um, we thought we might share some of our upcoming events with you so if you're uh, if it's near your hometown or someplace you're planning on visiting you can come join us and we get to say hello in person I've got something coming up on June 22nd at the uh, Alamo Exhibition Bird Club down in San Antonio, Texas. Um, We'll do a little hour presentation um, with those folks. And on June 28th, I'll be at the Southwest Virginia Bird Club, um, their 14th annual fair in Roanoke, Virginia. And it's going to be myself speaking on enriching your parrots' lives and foraging for the future. And there'll be several other speakers as well. And they have a big bird mart. It's a lot of fun. And that's from 9 to 4 on June 28th. Then uh, after that, in July, I'm very lucky that I get to go speak to the Parrot Society of Australia out in Brisbane, Australia. This is my second time out there, and these folks are absolutely fantastic, and they have a great lineup of speakers. And it's going to be wintertime in Australia when it's summertime here in the U.S., so for those of you that uh, are seeking some relief from the heat, it's a great place to go, great vacation, uh, and some, some great topics and really wonderful people out there. So hopefully you can make that one. Later in July, when I get back from Australia, I'll be in Cincinnati, Ohio, to do a day-long parrot behavior and training workshop, and this one's hosted by the Greater Cincinnati Bird Club and Avian Education Rescue and Adoption Services. Later in August, I'm doing an evening event in in my hometown in Austin, Texas at Gallery of Pets, where I'll have a three-hour seminar on addressing parrot behavior problems. And then later on in August, from August 11th to the 14th, both Barbara and I will be participating in the Association of Avian Veterinarians Annual Conference, which is in Savannah, Georgia. Barbara will be doing a, a workshop and she has a booth there, and I'll be speaking as well. And Barbara, are you speaking? I think I speak on Sunday of that event um, in addition to the workshop and, and have a vendor booth. So. Okay, and there, for information on that, you can visit their website at aav.org. And there are some other websites that we'd really like for you to visit if you get a chance. Sure. Well, all those events are also listed on my website at goodbirdinc.com, and um, and you'll find all the links to those events there as well if you want more information on each one. And I also have a blog that I've been trying to share more information with, with people about parrot behavior and training, and that's at goodbirdinc.blogspot.com. And then my website is theleatherelves.com. And that has, it showcases our products and it talks a little bit about our workshops that we do. And there are some photos of just enrichment in general um, in some of the zoos that I've worked. And it, it just gives you an idea of some of the things we're working on. Yeah, and um, we're going to be bringing more websites to you that we think have um, some good resources on there. So it won't be just promoting ours. We've got <laughs> lots of other folks out there that we really love the work they're doing. And we want to make sure that their information gets to you as well. So we'll, we'll bring you some more sites down the road as well. 
the internet is such a, a great resource for information on the on the parrot community. And if we can give you some ideas and point you in the right direction, um, there are so many good places to go. And and if you t- like I said before, if you take all that information in and use it you know, in your particular setting, that that's probably the best way to go. We also wanted to talk a little bit about some um, recommended reading that we have. For those of you who haven't already read it, um, Don't Shoot the Dog by Karen Pryor. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, Parrots of the World by Joseph Forshaw. The Karen Pryor's book is sort of the Bible of animal training. It's a great place to get started on some of this information. And I believe she's, she's her new edition has uh, some really good stuff in it. So definitely look for that. You can get that on Amazon.com. Okay. Um, one of the other things we'd like to bring to you on um, a regular basis is um, an enrichment and a training tip of the week. The enrichment tip of the week for this week is if you're introducing new foraging opportunities for your bird, set reasonable expectations. Increase the difficulty of the foraging task in small steps. Make sure that if you're offering diet for foraging, that you're not giving it all to them and then hoping that they find it. So just be careful that you do set those reasonable expectations. And my training tip of the week is to save the behavior of step up for later. And what I mean by that is if you've just acquired a new bird, focus on some hands-off behaviors first. A real easy one is the behavior of targeting, and that's just asking um, your parrot to orient his beak towards something. Maybe it's your your closed fist or a chopstick, something like that. That nice hands-off behavior will allow you to ask your bird to move around to different locations without you having to touch him, and it's a great way to build trust with your bird. So... Well, it looks like we're almost out of time, and we were afraid we couldn't fill 30 minutes. Look at that. (laughs) We'd just like to give you a couple of the upcoming topics that we're hoping to bring to you on Pet Life Radio. Flight training, the pros and cons, enriching the sedentary parrot, working with weaned versus unweaned parrots, exploring different forms of enrichment, or preparing for a visit to the veterinarian. Yeah, and if you have some suggestions uh, for topics, please feel free to contact us, or you can uh, also send your questions. Our email addresses are robin at petliferadio.com, and there's also barbara at petliferadio.com. If you'd like transcripts of this show, please visit www.petliferadio.com. And I think that's it for us for our first show. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed this, and we'll tune in again. All right, see you next time. Bye-bye. Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.